everyone, welcome to the OFD Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Vole, site manager, premium warlord, and defender of the faith over at onefootdown.com on the SP Nation Network. And it is a two-man booth tonight. Uh, Jude is getting uh, beat up by uh, uh, kids, kids and, and uh, that were sent there by uh, people from both political parties uh, looking to uh, figure out ways on how to vote. I don't know. It's he, He's beat up right now, and uh, he's going to take take a back seat. But uh, Brendan McAlinden, my good friend up in Michigan, he's here with me tonight. Buddy, what's up? Uh, man, I'm just glad that uh, college football started this weekend, uh, or last weekend, I should say. Um, none of us had really been doing anything, but then uh, like Gandalf, um, at the Battle for Helm's Deep coming over and uh, saving anyone on their their white horse coming in on the riding in on the morning morning sun. Uh, the Big Ten's here. So, yay, foot, foot, football's finally back. Josh, <laughs> football <laughs> is finally back because it uh, wasn't here before then. Until I see those beautiful green jerseys on top of gray turf. Uh, I'm just not sure it's uh, it, it hits yet. I think the factory opens this weekend, so you uh, they do. <laughs> you are you are in luck. Oh man, Whew. man, I, it's like it's like take a deep breath, right? Like so, we're five games in. We are. This is Notre Dame just wax pit forty eight to three. We are gonna or forty five to three. Excuse me. Uh, we're gonna dive into that, and we are gonna look look into uh, uh, look ahead to Georgia Tech. Uh, tonight, I, and I just want to say, hey, sorry, uh, we're not having a, a dedicated uh, pit review or a dedicated Georgia Tech preview. We're going to combine those tonight with two men instead of three men. It all makes sense. It's just this kind of a, a crazy, uh, crazy week and a half, two weeks uh, for for us over here. And, and we're doing the best we can. You're going to love it. You're going to you're going to love it. You're going to have a good Let's time. Let's be honest. We just couldn't. We just couldn't drag Jude away from the two-hour season premiere of This Is Us. Is that? No, he's got DVR. He wouldn't do that. I mean, it's a two-hour limited commercial. I mean, that's what my wife's doing right now. She's up there <laughs> watching This Is Us with a limited commercial-free uh, return to uh, to the beautiful city of Pittsburgh. See, my uh, wife has no idea about that. She was bitching at me wanting to know where the switch was at uh, so she could play. <laughs> <laughs> she can play on that, but she's a big This Is Us uh, person, though. So what do we get off here? I'm going to make her even madder by saying, uh, did you watch this This or Us? And she's going to be like, what? I'm like, yeah. What did you say? Yeah, yeah. it was on. It's it's on right now. Um, they're getting into all sorts of uh, family hijinks. I haven't. Have you? Have you asked? I, I'm Have in the room. It? I'm in the room for a lot of the episodes. Um, that's how I best describe it. I'll be, uh-huh. uh, I'd normally be doing something else, uh, for a lot of them or, uh, moseying off to, to do something. Um, I know the names yeah, no, of the characters. No judgment of those two. I mean, I, I, I know it is a fine television show. I know it is a, a very well done television show. Yes. I, I just, depression isn't my cup of tea. I, <laughs> I like, like, I don't watch like, uh, like I wasn't a breaking bad, uh, uh-huh. fan either. Because there, there are just certain things that like seem like that's fucked up. Like that, that that's gonna make it feel like feel down. 
Uh, oh, I'm not into that. I I love I a lot of those. A lot of those, but the ones that like there's a very specific um, uh, genre that NBC's cultivated with. Uh, they, it started with Parenthood, and then the, the the spiritual successor to Parenthood is this uh, This Is Us, and then ABC's got their own uh, A Million Little Things. Where there's and, and they all follow the same sort of trend where it's like yeah, a big see, yeah, a big nuclear family, a lot of acoustic, um, an acoustic soundtrack, um, high family drama. I mean, I've been doing an acoustic soundtrack, but I mean, I'm also into like I don't know chanting in Old Norse. Yeah, uh, I can get behind that. You're yeah. you're you're more in for uh, pounding your shields as you uh, yeah, are shoulder but, to shoulder holding well, them. You know what? You want to uh, know what's funny though about all that? Like, I don't care about any of the action part of those shows. Like, none no, of no, that. No. Like, like I just I don't. Like, that's no, why I love the show Rome. Let's let's, let's get into the Machiavellian plotting going on here. Uh, I don't know. Did you watch HBO's Rome? If you haven't, it, it's got to be. Oh yeah. oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It's, oh yeah! But they didn't even have any pretense, like because they didn't have the budget for the big battles. They were just like they would go into a big battle and it would like fade to black, and then we would get into the nice, you know. <laughs> You'd see a dude like laying half dead, and that was a. Yeah. Yeah, Rome didn't. Rome didn't mess around. That which is sad that they couldn't. Uh, they kind of rushed that second season because they knew there wasn't going to be a third one, which has been a the death knell for so many. Uh, like uh, Borgia's on Showtime did the same thing. Uh, they thought they were going to get a fourth season, though they didn't. Actually, uh, Borgia on Netflix uh, w- did it excellent. They did an excellent job of it. But because there is some uh, crazy ass lawsuit contract deal going on between Netflix and Canal Plus uh, on that show, the producers. Now you can't get any of it. So like the third season, you literally have to find the. And so there's like three episodes off that last third season that you cannot watch. Like there's, it does not exist anywhere, which is some bullshit because the third season is excellent. It shows Cesare absolutely going ape shit across uh, the Italian peninsula. Uh, It did. They did they did that story way better than Showtime did, and like on an eighth of a budget. I mean, John Doman at the as as Pope Alexander is is fish out of the it was like fish out of the water, but it somehow it works because the rest of that cast is very foreign. Uh, and then Mark Ryder, the guy that plays Cesare, uh, he's Irish, uh, and I couldn't think of a he looks just like. Cesare Borgia, who looks just like Jesus Christ, because that's why Jesus looks the way he does. Is because <laughs> it's because yeah. Alexander had everyone paint Jesus like Cesare. It's like, but Mark Ryder looks just like him. So, or this is a uh, was it the the continents of Christ to the eyes of Satan? It's dead on. God, we have delved. We are diving way deep, way deep into. Uh, You'd be good for that. You know, he was a TV and fucking film major. So now he gets to miss yeah. out on my goodness. All right. Speaking of reviewing things. Oh, nice. Transition. We should get into. I got. Yeah, I got. Uh, I got one review tonight. One review. It, <laughs> unless I have really tapped in to the Ypsilanti pipeline. Uh, maybe this is another uh, re review. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, 
It's five stars. It says emu for life. Hell yeah, baby. Uh, and then Jimmy. Fellas. Jimmy Klossman, freshman year game at Michigan. I sat in the U of M student section and got pelted with many footballs and screamed at by wasted sorority girls. It was lovely. That was the only game I've ever left at halftime and went and I went to the 2013 Bama national championship game. Also had two tickets to ND U of M game last year. And I was lucky enough that my wife had too many adult, adult <laughs> I like the way he says adult pops. Uh, and we didn't make it to the game. Hashtag dodge that one. Your friend, Dave from Michigan. I'm pretty sure we've heard from Dave from Michigan before. I think, I think he, I think he's my, uh, my Eastern guy out there. who's like, <laughs> like, take me with you. <laughs> There's no <laughs> amount of there's no amount of things that he could have been hit with at that game uh, that would have equaled the amount of hits that Jimmy Clausen took. No, because I mean, especially when I don't know when your center is just saying, "Hey, go ahead." Oh, okay. I, I yeah. Wish, I wish I wish Evan Sharpley was starting. Go ahead and hit him. Oh, <sighs> yeah, that was uh, uh, it. Was not great. I'd love to know where you because I I believe no, I don't even believe. You can't tell I me that. In, you cannot tell I lived me in Ann Arbor. I, downtown during that game. So I'd love to know where he went after that game. Um, <laughs> well, I think he lives up. I think Dave said it before he lives up around that way. Like he lives up in Ann Arbor. So maybe he just went home. I lived, uh, I lived just off Pauline, which it was a okay. straight shot down to the stadium. We were up in uh, park place apartments, right? Uh, less than two miles from the stadium uh, at the time. It was, uh, it was very, it was very sad and somber. It was, uh, you know, like I was about to say, for being a a good NFL center, John Sullivan, there's no fucking way anyone could tell me that he tried that game at all. I'll never forgive him for that. Trying to get Jim, poor fucking Jimmy killed. What's what's Klaus supposed to do when five guys are humping him? And five like, guys. Like right up. There's right that up. iconic picture, and I don't know if it's a Kishore, um, but there's an iconic picture of Jimmy getting hit by five dudes and like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it was one of the most terrible of the terribles. I mean, for sure. It was fucking awful. I'm not, I mean, that was worse than 2003 even. And that was bad. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I just like, you got to take a deep breath after thinking about that. Yeah. So bad days. You have certainly can, it <sighs> is very um uh I would like to to think back on that season though and think about just the depth at which the offensive line played in that just the entire 2007 season because you can look at 2007 as maybe not necessarily I mean there were quarterback concerns and and a lot of concerns on the roster but first and foremost was that the offensive line was not division one caliber. Like it was worse than a Mac offensive line. It was one of the worst offensive lines in Notre Dame. And, history. Yet, and yet there was NFL players on that fucking line. Well, they were I starting mean, a true freshman at left tackle, right? Um, uh, no, Sam, Sam Young. Young. Yeah. He was a sophomore because he started as a true freshman against Georgia okay. tech in 06. You had John Sullivan, you had, uh, uh, fuck, uh, was it Trevor Robinson on the line there? Uh, I don't think Dan Wenger was out there. 
There's <sighs> one other uh, five-star player on that line, right? It was um, – it. Oh, here, here's the line. Sam Young, Turkovic, Sullivan, Eric Olsen, Eric and Olsen. Paul Duncan. Duncan was a uh, a big recruit too, right? Rob, uh, yeah, Robinson was young. He's still Trevor Robinson. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Wanger was, was the backup center. Yeah. Uh, Eric, yeah, Eric Olson. He was uh, famous. You know that that picture of uh, uh, of him with his helmet off in 08 at home at, yeah. in South Bend in and the he rain, was, uh, staring down the Michigan Fle- guy. Yeah, flexing on that. Uh, I liked Olson. I like I liked his attitude, but yeah. he wasn't the most talented player. Turkovich. I mean, our tackles are are going first round. <laughs> you know, I don't think that. Going. And I heard some uh, I heard some some questions being asked about whether or not um, even Tommy Kramer would be coming back. The way this offensive line is playing, I could see the whole line getting drafted next year. Right. Um, I think Patterson has to come back. As a sophomore, he's a true, yeah. he's a true, so, he's a true sophomore, but, right? I mean, there's not Hainsey, Hainsey. I'm not sure if he's got a whole lot left to prove. And I think everybody technically gets another year regardless of eligibility. Yeah. Um, yeah. Regardless. But I'm saying, like, but Hainsey started in 17. So he's, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Patterson, maybe he is a junior. He was a red that's shirt boy too. Yeah. I don't know, but there is a, yeah, there is a real, there is a real life thing out there that this, I mean, I think we're, you know, obviously we're expecting, uh, you know, I wouldn't, ex- even if you get an extra year, I would, you know, don't expect Eichenberg back and he's no. actually improved. I think he's only improved his draft stock, uh, quite a bit this year has been excellent. Um, yeah, and speaking of which, Aaron, um, I, who has been actually really good this year, I, I think maybe so. Like so, next year, I could see a situation where Banks bounces out to left tackle, but that just depends on. I mean, Notre Dame still has some tackles. You know, the, you know, Christophic, you know, he'll have another yeah. year behind him. That's that's supposed to be the left tackle of the future. You know, Tosh Baker behind him, Blake Fisher. I mean, it's just. There's, you know, Fisher will be a freshman next year, so I, you know, don't expect to even see him. But, but I don't know. I mean, it's if it's you a, play it, left tackle for Notre line, Dame, you're man. gonna go in the first round. If you play ta- left tackle for Notre Dame, and you don't even need to, you can play right tackle because McGlinchey was a right tackle and slid over to left tackle after Ronnie Stanley left. So the still, way that they have it set up, as a right tackle in the top ten, and that's yeah. important to know. It's not just left tackles. As a right tackle, as a normal right tackle, uh, McGlinchey went in the top ten in the NFL draft. They knew damn well he was going to be. They weren't even going to. They right tackle. It's well. It was the same thing with um uh with Zach Martin and being drafted as a left guard or a right guard. Right for the Dallas right. Cowboys. Yep, and he was a yep. what top twenty pick. So. He just, if you play left tackle yeah, for Notre Dame and okay. Liam Eikenberg is trending that way, I mean, if I'm, if, yeah, I just, there's, there's a Christophic and Baker, um, you know, Quinn Carroll, hey, there's, there's Hainsey guys. Actually, he actually is my toss up. But uh, the thing with Hainsey is, is another year is not going to give him another inch or two 
height. No. And I think that's really the bothersome thing for him and his draft stock is that he's his arms just, he aren't to suddenly grow. His, yeah, his arms and, and height. Yeah, he's as good. I mean, he's as good as a physical as as Eichenberg, really. But as a for an NFL lineman, there's just there's it comes down to some measurements on some things. In I a mean, system Patterson, that wants to in a system that wants to spread it out, though, you can put Robert Hainsey as inside as a guard, right? Just like they did with uh, Zach Martin. You put you put him on a team that wants to run, like the Dallas Cowboys want to run. You put him in a guard. I don't. Yeah, because I, I think why, didn't, didn't Zach have his wingspan wasn't his wingspan like, wasn't big. That was a knock on him. Eichenberg, so, though, he's a big ass boy. But yeah, Eichenberg's yeah. Eichenberg is right going to be a foundational tackle probably for somebody like the Cincinnati Bengals, right? A team that absolutely desperately needs a um, tackle that can be there for a decade. At least he stays in Ohio. Well, yeah, he's from probably, he's probably a Browns guy, which makes Cincinnati a a tougher pill to swallow. Uh, But once you cash that first check, you're all good. Well, I, I think Patterson is probably the best player on the offensive line period, though. I think that kid, I, I mean, think that plays out. I think that plays out. Center, what kind of pressure has there been on the inside? And that's been sort of the jam for the running game, too. Oh, yeah. Um, I think as a center, he's he's playing himself into a draft where he goes uh, like a C, like a Caesar Ruiz. We just saw uh, last year in the first round. He's going to he's going to find the same path. He is a junior, I, by the way. So, yeah, yeah, that's what. Yeah, I, I, I thought thought I had that messed up. So yeah, he could go. Um, yeah. But you know, I that's a, most of Notre Dame's linemen have stayed their four years at least. Uh, I mean, and a, I, I think in that culture that they have going on there as linemen, I think he sees that and sees the success of there that, that's going on. And when people talk about the culture of programs. That's part of it, like a position group doing something like that. Like all these linemen stay at least four years. You know, they're, you know, Roddy Stanley didn't bounce. He could have. I mean, McGlinchey came back for a fifth. Exactly. So they see that. They see the success these guys have. They know, look, just one more year, this is going to make me a, a better player. You know, it's worth it. And I think they see that, and I think that's just part of the, part of the culture that that lives inside Notre Dame's program is the culture of the of, of their offensive line. So, so I, sticking I with that. the offensive I, line, how did you think they looked about the number one against the number one defensive line in America last weekend? Yeah, let's get into so, it a little bit. So they played, yeah, they played against Pitt, who is the top ranked in tackles for loss, top ranked in rushing defense, top ranked in sacks. How do you think I, the the big matchup for me? And I imagine we'll talk about Ian Book and uh, Sco time. But what do you think about the offensive line? I thought they played well. I I, I hesitate to say great because uh, I mean, when you boil it down to two point three yards a carry, and that's with Ian Book stats. I mean, you take yeah. the the sack yard the sack yardage out of it, it gets a little better, but. Uh, Take I mean, Jafar it, Armstrong out of the equation and his eight rushes well, for negative four. Or, or Chris Tyree and his my three yards. Oh, yeah. Um, he got blown up. But I mean, like, honestly, God, like, uh, yeah, Jafar, eight carries, negative four. That's like it. But of those 11 attempts between Tyree and Armstrong, 
how many of those were good good play calls? How many of those were like fucking D, you know DOA? They were <laughs> Ian, Ian Book sacrificed or, or Tyree FOA to the fucked on a rival. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rashad uh, Ian Book sacrificed Chris Tyree to the altar of Rashad Weaver on that on the one where he got blown up because Book could have kept it, but he was like, "I'm sorry, Chris, you have to take this one." And Tyree just got blown up by Rashad just Weaver. Absolutely, yeah, annihilated. Someone said Tyree ripped that right on out of Book's hands, so maybe that's on Tyree. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't Some know. People I are guess. for punishment. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't. It, it, it's such a strange game. I, but I mean, look, 50 attempts on the ground. That's a lot. Yeah. 50 that's attempts on the ground netted you 115 yards. But there were some key third and shorts that they that's were getting the on that. Thing and that I was impressed the, by. And that's what's missing. Like, so many times over the last few years, we have been enamored with some of these big you know, with like a big run total. Right. But you could go by back to that same game. Say you rush for 270 yards and you go back to that same game. You're like, yeah, but there was three times on third and one. You absolutely got fucking lit up or second and one lit up third, you know, third and two lit up again. Uh, that's not really happening. And I really thought what Notre Dame's it's a mixture of many things when it comes down to this. It's not just the line, but like, Making Sebo a bigger part of the the rotation this last this last game instead of Tyree uh, was helpful because look Chris Tyree is not as strong of a runner as Sebo Flemisher and Sebo proved that he's a guy that uh, you know he'll does fall not forward, away from contact he'll a, he'll fight a very he'll fight for the extra extra half yard I mean he really runs hard um, you know our our big joke all off season was you know what's your favorite SIBO Flemish run of more than 14 yards. And that's funny and fun and all, but you have to give him respect because he runs hard as shit. Uh, and he's going to get you those tough yards. And that's what they needed on Saturday against Pitt. I mean, they ended the game on another, you know, the Louisville game. It was a seven minute and 55 second or what, or 50 second uh, drive to end the game. They did the same thing to Pitt, like seven fifty five or whatever it was seven fifty two to end the game. That's incredible. Incredible. There has been a half. Did you know that there's only been, there's only been one team, one non option team in the entirety of Pat Narduzzi coaching pit that has run the ball 50 times or more against, uh, pit. And it was Boston college last year. And that's because Boston college didn't have a quarterback in that, that last game. Notre Dame's the only team to 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 for for all of Pat Narduzzi's foibles. The one thing that he's been consistently pretty good at is preventing teams from running the football. Um, yeah, I, I think as a career, he's he's kept people under four or five. And I don't know, like you said, I just I. The, the the numbers sort of piled up, especially in that fourth quarter when everything sort of slowed down. But right. in in the first half, when Notre Dame was in third and short scenarios, Kyron Williams was falling forward and getting first down. Sebo Flemister was running hard, twisting and getting first for down. a half yard. Twisting. I mean, just yeah. So 
and I guess the, so the bigger point of this all was I, Ian book, first of all, getting 40 yards, your second leading rusher on the day. Some of those are some tough yards. Some of those are very heady, you know, pull down and go, go, go get what you can get, which is very Ian book, very on brand for what he does. But his, his passing stat line mirrored exactly from what I think we should be doing. And that's you're pounding the football and you're, you're trying to push the ball downfield. Now, 16 to 30 is not going to turn anybody's head. No, but three twelve out of that. Yeah. But three twelve out of that 16. That's excellent. I mean, so it's kind of both worlds, right? So, I mean, yeah, 16 to 30, 52%. That's not good. Uh, but 312 yards off of 16 uh, receptions, that's excellent. Three touchdowns out of that. Uh, it's exactly what we kind of – we, it's what, what we've been wanting from Book. I mean, I, I don't know how you can be mad at Ian Book this game uh, because he did exactly what – I I'm at, at least for me, it's just like just try. Push the ball downfield. Push the ball downfield uh, and was able to do that. And, you know, he – Look, there's a play with uh, with Javon McKinley, uh, and you know McKinley just works kind of like a decoy a little bit on the on the play. Book takes off, and and he's there. He throws it all the way back across the field. McKinley gets it, shows an actually incredible burst. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it gets you a lot he's, of yards. He, on. he got to the second level. You know, like once he hit the second level, he was he was he was going he was getting there. Yeah, it looked like yeah, a high five I mean, shot. It was a it, it was a good day. It was a good day. It, it's just it's funny, you know. You, we're saying this is great, and yet your your quarterback threw for just a shade over fifty percent, and you averaged two point three yards in the game. And you're like, this is it. This is the offense that's going to get it. Done. <laughs> well, you know what I what kind of cracks me up is that. And a lot of the people um, who are giving Notre Dame credit, and granted, Pitt was had a good scoring defense and in a, a good defense and the like, but they dropped 45 on, on pit running for, you know, under 120 yards. And everyone's like, Oh, this is it. They, 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 uh, you know, threw for over 300, but then, you know, you don't give them credit for the Florida state game where, uh, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't pass the ball exceptionally well, but, they ran uh, at, at an absolutely prolific rate against Florida State, 353 yards, the season high. And everybody's like, does Notre Dame have a passing problem? And then Notre Dame, you know, goes out and they do almost the inverse against Pitt. And and nobody raises those same concerns right. about the running. Right. Game, it's, is, it's ridiculous. It is. It's absolutely. It's ridiculous. Uh, but look, I, there was um, uh, Michael Felder. Uh, who, who's uh, been a longtime friend of mine. Uh, we go back all the way to, we go back a long ways. Um, and his, I really take a lot of uh, stock in, into his opinions uh, about Notre Dame because number one, he's not, uh, there's, Felder has no agenda uh, for, he, he's really good at, at, at keeping a lot of bias out. Uh, and number two, he, which is important with Notre Dame, he looks at Notre Dame as another team as another college football team. So his insights and what he has to say about him, uh, I think are, are a little more truthful because there's no, 
again, the, the bias factor is out, which is hard to do for most people when they talk about Notre Dame. Uh, but Felder does well, a pretty good, does a really good job of that. But what he was talking about, he tweeted it out, and then in the uh, uh, in the Power Hour with Nicole Arbach on the Andy Staples uh, podcast, uh, he said it again. He's like, Notre Dame has these big bastard receivers. Like he's enamored by the size, and he had said, like, look, you can have receivers that are great route runners, you have burners, and then you just have these big ass monsters. And they can all do the same things for you. So I think we're, we're if, and I love the way, you know, kind of love the way he laid it out there because he's absolutely right. If you're lacking in, in speed burners, that's fine. If you want to trot out these monsters, use the monsters like monsters. monsters. And they are, you know, it's, it's perfectly fine. I mean, Ben, Ben Skronik is a, he's a big boy, man. He is a big, let's get to Ben Skronik. Does he shop at the same uh, pad store as Harrison Smith does, by the way? Because that is an aesthetic I am all about. I am all about <laughs> the white uh, the white player whose shoulder pads seemingly come up above their neck and the helmet just sort of like <laughs> slots right into it. You know what I'm talking about? Like Hayseed has that helmet where it just like blends in with the rest <laughs> of his body. And Skoranek's the same way where it's just like – a third of his helmet is below his shoulder. You want to talk pad level? A third of his oh, helmet wow. is below his his shoulders, and um, we were so. I, I mean, we were sold something with Ben Skoranek in the off season, and we all kind of joked about it. But man, um, but also, I mean, but I mean, the the uh, the preseason hamstring issue was a real thing. So was. I mean, the, the injury. He's, he's never me. he's never been at the level that. I mean, I would look when. When Skronik, when it was announced that Skronik was transferred to Notre Dame, there was a lot of people that were scratching their heads. I wasn't one of them. I was totally fine with this. And for maybe for other reasons than being like one of the number one guys, but I'm like, look, the guy fucking produced at Northwestern. Well, he's a Fort Wayne I, kid, so yeah, automatically well, he's like shoots. Plus, he's, four, yeah, plus he's Fort Wayne, so yeah. Yeah, okay, he's going to get a little extra love from me. But, I mean, he produced. At a Big Ten school, this wasn't like a Freddie Canteen situation as far as I could tell. And okay. I was like, all right, we just we lost Chase Claypool. We need some reliability. We absolutely need some reliability. And I you know, thought he'd bring that. So now that we're getting past his injury, he absolutely showed that. And it was like, there wasn't even reliability. Like he should, <laughs> you know, on the, on the first touchdown, uh, he, he was just got open. Got open, took it, yep. and then punched it in. Like no hesitation there, no no fucking around. Took that pass and went straight towards the end zone. And uh, the second touchdown, the big seventy-three yarder, proved he could have been a pick. Go up, he's going to go up and out muscle a guy. Yeah, go, it could have been a pick. Yeah, and then he still shows that he has more than enough speed because he still outran. Uh, I can't remember which defensive back that was for Pitt, but he still outran a defensive back. Uh, he was the little guy. Which which has to be a fast guy, right? But like you think about that little guy, maybe that little guy slowed yeah, down. Like I'm not tackling this big son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, but he showed enough burst there to take it to the house. I mean, that's the, that's a big deal. So and that was it. That was Benny. That was Benny's day. Two catches, 107 yards, two touchdowns. But that was that's the missing sauce right there. That was absolutely the missing sauce from yeah. Notre Dame pass game. 
So you add in what they're doing with, with Michael Mayer. And yes, his name is Michael. He tweeted it out. His name is Michael. I'm not no even nicknames, gonna, no baby Gronk, no no widow no, kill. I, sorry, Carver. I hated, I, I hated the I hated the nickname. I ended up just calling him Rhino, as, and I can't remember why I chose Rhino. Maybe I just came out of my mouth. I don't know, I can't remember why, but I was just like, I'm just gonna fucking call him Rhino because I'm not calling him baby Gronk or widow Kittle. This guy, you don't give those names to guys who are gonna be next level their own thing players. He's his own thing. He is Michael. Like like it's the like, angel, <laughs> the archangel Michael. I, it's like when people take the number twenty three. It's like I never liked it. If if you're a basketball player and like I didn't like the fact that LeBron made his number twenty three. That's Michael Jordan's number. Get your own flipping number, right? That, so I don't like I it. I have less problem with Get that. Get your own nickname. Harold Miner, Baby Jordan. Just because Harold Miner. I guess kind of my beef with Mapletron is it's a playoff Megatron and it's cute. But I, I don't like it because you're not carving out your own right. nickname, your own lineage. You're not going to be Whittle Kittle because it you're not. Been, it should have been Maple Bandit. We gave him that name. Should have been Maple Bandit. Philip Goff gave him that name years he wanted, ago. He wanted Air Canada, which is even better. But I'll tell you, I would, that'd be fine, yeah. But but calling him Mapletron is just – People are outsmarting themselves and you're not doing these guys any good by attaching them to another player because they're trying to rise above that. You think they're aspiring to be that and that alone? No, they're trying to be something better than that. Uh, and Chase Claypool, uh, for example, is definitely on that fucking path right now to, to really do it. And hell he's got And at least he, Hey, he's not on the lions first of all. So he's already winning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he is, he is already winning. Uh, he's on the best team in football. Um, so he's got that going for him. Uh, but I, I would like to suggest to the man, everybody was retweeting out the picture of him, uh, throwing out the, the first down, uh, you know, the, the, the thing where he was, he was getting up in the, um, uh, you know, he was like taunting, uh, Oh, the, what he was tapping the other dude's helmet. Yeah. Uh, that dude, by the way, shut him down. He didn't do anything in the game. So everybody was like putting it out there and like, yeah, oh, look at Chase Claypool. Kid knows how to play. And it's like, well, he actually got sh- <laughs> he was um, unceremoniously uh, <laughs> shut down in, in that football game. So Welcome to the league. Maybe, yeah, it, it kind of was uh, a welcome to the league, Rook. I believe he was doing it to. Uh, Malcolm Butler and my Mal- Malcolm Butler uh, shut him, shut him, shut him down real good. So, so uh, back to mayor. It's it fun. Back to but, mayor. Yeah. Mayor mayor's day, five catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. That's, that is a Notre Dame tight end day right there. That's pure and simple. It, you can count me as listen. I, I would never, and I don't think I ever did in the, in the off season think that Michael Mayer would be this productive as a freshman. Having gone through the recruiting process and all that, I absolutely knew he would be a beast at Notre Dame and that he would be one of the, he would be the definite typical Notre Dame tight end uh, as far as like superstar in the making, but never did I think as a freshman that he he was going to come in. Uh, But it really, it's a lot of it has to do with what different stuff they're doing with Tremble, kind of how they're operating their tight ends this year. Uh, But man, he has been incredible. Uh, absolutely incredible. 
I just I can't wait for I guess I guess I can't wait for more from Mayor and from Tremble out there. I I just I think the best is still to come with the, those two as a combo. Uh, it, what's funny is he, even even Tackix got in on the action again this week. He got himself a catch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so of your seven receivers, three of them were tight ends. I love it. I mean, when Kelly in the offseason was talking about a player on offense, uh, a freshman on offense, having the sort of impact that Kyle had this season, I'm probably going to have to eat a hat uh, because I thought it was going to be Chris Tyree because I didn't think Kyron Williams was going to to have the sort of impact that he ended up having. I mean, he totally transformed himself. Um, but it turns out that it. Kelly was talking about Michael Mayer and who is the first five consensus uh, composite five star that Notre Dame's had since the 2016 season. Right. He was the only five star in the end. I think Jordan Johnson, some services, maybe rivals uh, have right. him as a, as a five star. Um, but Michael Mayer is our new slot receiver. And I welcome it because you know, we're going to be Mayer getting too, is that remember they didn't have Mayer as a five star until like the very end. Like they kept they kept pushing that air like the narrative of the other two uh, was that Eric Gilbert Jordan jo- oh yeah Gilbert and yeah. Wa- Washington was the other two tight ends and it's like this dude is outplaying these guys in the in the All Star games and the practices he's a fucking animal and yet and he you know he was getting like Player of the Week uh, at these All Star still things. was he still didn't even and end up as number ranking, one because right well. they're still ranking him below it's like. Y'all are fucking smoking crack. This is some bullshit. At least they finally gave him his, his fifth star. Not that it matters at all, but I mean, it was just one of those things. But, but yeah, he's been he's been incredible uh, this season. A, a revelation. And look, it, it's just that this offense just needs to. It's just, it's just a lot of like dialing things in, right? It's just it's a lot of like small things within the passing game that, if corrected, uh means a lot. And I, I think book did himself a favor this week by, by fixing some of those things. He, he still had some, you know, some mistakes, you know, some, some, some kind of a bad picks. throws. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and he had some, sh- he had some, he had some Brandon Wimbush problems, uh, throwing a few of the short ones, but by and large, I mean, I thought it was a, fi- I thought it was a fine game. It was, <laughs> uh, you know, play by play by book. Um, Let's let's switch gears a little bit, and I mean, three points. Now, Joey Yellen is no Tyler Bad. Polk. Uh, <laughs> that is a difficult did, bar to. He has no Nathan Peterman. Yeah, uh, Pitt did absolutely no favors by running into the sideline after yeah. every single play. Every single play. But like, you know he did some things against Miami, right? Grabbing his I mean, shorts. It, yeah. I just Notre Dame just absolutely like just said you're doing nothing. You guys are doing fucking jack today. The rush, the running game, absolutely. I mean, like here's it. the thing. Here's the difference. Pitt Notre Dame averaged two point three yards in the ground. Pitt averaged two point two yards in the ground. Who do you think hands down had a better day? <laughs> I mean, it's just it. It wasn't. A, I mean, Pitt only ran the ball twenty times. 
What? They only I had think they only ahead. had like four yards at halftime. So, I mean, so they gained 40 in the second half. It was total domination by Notre as Dame's a defense. Team, as a team, they ran 53 plays. Pitt did. Which is actually an increase from the week before when Louisville only ran 45 right. plays. Over the last two weeks, Notre Dame's defense has only been on 96. the field for, well, 98 times. 45 and so, and, so and so do you know how many plays Notre Dame's defense was on the field for Ball State and Vanderbilt uh, in 2018? 97 against Ball State. And 96 against Vandy, I believe. Uh, it was 70 against Vandy. It was 92 against Wake Forest, though. Oh, that's okay. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then oh, 85 yeah. against Vatek. Just what it's, Clark Lee has done with this defense. And and I want to, I want to, I so desperately want to nail on the defensive line for not getting sacks. Like I look at the team and I look at the amount of sacks that they have and I go, um, you know. Ade Ogundeji only has two sacks. Isaiah Foskey is technically a third string, or he's now an or, and he's leading the team with two and a half sacks. Ovia Gofu is the backup. He's got a, a sack and a half. And, you know, Dalen Hayes doesn't even have a sack yet. Aaron, uh, you know, uh, Alexander Ahrensberger has a sack, which is more than any other D lineman I- on the roster other than, you know, Ovi, Ade, and Foskey. Right. But I can't nail them because they're not on the field. Right. It's, they like, it's like to these get sacks. It's like these tackle totals. It's, the, it's absurd. There's no tackles. Like there's no tackle total. Like, <laughs> like Jeremiah Wusukoromoa. It's, it's like a Jalen Smith kind of year, right? Where yeah. his numbers are not going to match up the fact that he is one of the best linebackers Generation. in America. Yeah, like just there's nothing there because they're they're not on the field. It's 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 actually it's I mean, it's quite it's something else, man. It is a different. It's just a different thing. I don't know how to describe it. So like at the end of the game, and you're looking for, you know, looking at tackle defensive stats and figuring it all out. Like this is one of those years where that has not told the tale at all about what's going on 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 defense. Um, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's strange. It's a strange year. It, uh, I don't know. It's like, I, I don't know what to make of the pit with three for 13, right. On third downs this weekend, which is a 23% and Notre Dame's uh, third down defense actually rose up. They were 20% and now they're at 21.23%. Teams are not converting on third down against this Notre Dame defense. And was that all on, they had two third down conversions on the first drive of the game, right? On the first drive. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, (laughs) you got one third down conversion the rest of the way. And I don't even think that they're featuring their best third down defense. If we're going to be honest, because Kyle Hamilton shouldn't be blitzing for their best third down defense. Kyle Hamilton should be ball hawking in the back end. And you know what? They might end up doing that against Clemson. Who knows? I 
I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say that Notre Dame is sandbagging for Clemson, but their best defense isn't blitzing Kyle Hamilton, and they're so me, doing that. Let me do the Dan Rubenstein uh, drive result here. For, drive chart? For yeah, you ready? I'll get some field goal. Uh, Dvorak for you. Yeah, field goal. Punt, 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 interception, punt, halftime, punt, interception, interception, punt, punt, punt. That's great. And the one punt and the one punt before half was blocked for a fucking Notre Dame touchdown. Their longest drive was that first drive, and it was no, for 37 yards. Their longest drive was 43 yards. Oh, 40, it was a 43 uh, yard, which resulted in a punt. It was punt, just the pass, yeah. right? Seven seven plays, yeah, seven plays, 43 yards. It's and then it goes eight yards, eleven yards, six yards, zero yards was just the half. Uh, coward uh, knee, right? Um, not really coward, but twenty yards, seven I, yards, zero yards, twenty-eight, twenty-five, negative ten. Negative ten. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it. You gotta soak it up. Fuck them. Notre Dame was, you know, TD TD field goal TD TD, and then. Clark yeah, came in to Notre Dame's get was t- Braden was Lindsay touchdown punt, <laughs> touchdown punt, punt, touchdown punt, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, punt, punt, game. And Love by it. the way, that the game, seven minutes, fifty-two seconds. What's funny 14, is that their second, their play, second long, their, so their longest drive was the end of the game, seven minutes, fifty-two seconds. Their second longest two. drive of six minutes and ten seconds. That's the one that got him the field goal. <laughs> 14 play. Yeah. <laughs> Notre Dame, if they want to, can just take the air out of a football, which is what happened against Louisville. And the reason they didn't score a whole lot and didn't have a whole lot of opportunity, they only had seven drives. But like I said, with uh, when, when looking at the number of plays that Louisville ended up running, they ran 45 plays. So nobody t- Notre Dame just takes the air out of a football. If they want to, they can just – and the comparison's been made elsewhere. They can just Navy someone if they want to. And this is the recipe for uh, playing games in a few weeks that I'm not going to mention is take the air out of the football, keep the other team on the bench, and keep the scoring in the 20s, mid-20s. Um, and I think that they can do that if – if they want to, because their ability to just sustain drives and run out clock at the end of games, these last two games, that's impressive, right? Yeah, it's a it's a recipe for many things. And again, uh, you want to bring up Clemson and I, I don't really want to. But if you do um, it again, this reminds me of the 05 USC game a lot. And that's that has to do with some of it right there. It's a, it's about it's about mucking it up a little bit, like being able to like muscle your way for the half inch. It's a bit, it's about making this game about being physical. Uh, they can, they're doing that. I mean, th- these, these massive drives in, in time of possession drives are just, it's, a, it's a, they're incredible. They're incredible. So I look, Notre Dame is now, uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know what their rank is. And, and we were talking before the podcast about 
how the ranks are, are totally fucking skewed now because the Big yeah, Ten has the their one game in. But Notre Dame has given up 9.8 yard points per game, which is the best FBS average with teams with more than one game in. Uh, and it's second to... I, uh, so Eric Hansen did I, the work for us. Um, so let me let me read the tweet from Eric Hansen because okay. he did all the work. That. He said Notre Dame, and he did this on uh, Sunday morning um, at Eric at E Hansen and uh, Notre Dame football wakes up today sixth nationally in scoring defense, seventh in pass efficiency D, ninth in total D, thirteenth in rushing D, and fifth in third down D. Now the important thing about this is is that the entire Big Ten started their their schedule, so a lot of them have. Ruined stats for the foreseeable future. And then he goes, extracting the teams that have only played one game. So we're moving Air Force and the Big Ten. Those rankings would be they are second in the nation in scoring defense. They are third in the nation in pass efficiency. They are fourth in the nation in total D. They are eighth in rushing defense. And they are second in third down defense. Why isn't America talking about Notre Dame football's Dominant defense. Josh, the floor is yours. Yeah, I, I don't know. This is this has been this Louisville game. Because the there's this huge there's this huge uh, narrative right now about there's only three teams. It's Ohio State, Alabama and Clemson and that no one comes close. And this is why. And when it comes up, when people want to bring up Notre Dame, they will talk about like their struggles this year scoring, uh, but nobody's bringing up the struggles. The other teams are having in scoring against Notre Dame. Yeah. Especially like now, I mean, nine, if it wasn't for yards, COVID. What would these numbers look like? Because Florida state scored 26 points because Notre Dame couldn't figure out how to start a game. And 10 of those points came off of some bullshit fumbles, special teams, nonsense, right? Yeah. And with uh, secondary that I, yeah, the, it's it's their defense has really been incredible. Um, and so it, I saw some, I saw some stats today about uh, Clemson having problems with, uh, you know, man, yeah, man to man, like with their receivers, I, you know, you throw that, you throw that into a pit and, oh yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk about that next problems week. running football too. I'm like just, that. I'm just saying, I just I don't understand the non-celebration of extremely good defense. And Notre Dame, I, I'm more pissed off at Notre Dame fans than with the media because I mean the media is all sex anyways, right? It's it's all points, right? But Notre Dame fans for years, there's a long stretch of time where if we just had a defense, if Jimmy Clausen had a defense in '09. Holy shit! I mean, that's that, that's the that's kind of thing I'm talking about. Here. Yes, right? it, it is. I mean, it, generational talents play, out wide, and they're playing for one. I mean, whether they win or not, I don't know. But it, it ain't the '09 season that they end up getting Weiss hacked out. If you got a defense, that team is winning. I mean, hell, even '08, same thing. It's just it, it, it's incredible how Notre Dame fans haven't like. Haven't just like latched on to what Notre Dame is doing well this year, and that's running the football and playing great defense. Like, 
I thought this is what we were supposed to be about. When people yeah. bitch about Notre Dame losing football games, aren't they bitching about not being able to run the football and defense that just chokes out? That's what I got. That's all I've heard. I've been doing this fucking, I've been doing this shit since 07, since 06 and 07. It's a long stretch of time that I've dealt with all this. Running the football and defense have been the number one thing uh, going on after a loss that people like are pointing to. Number three is that has to do with quarterback issues. But running the football and defense is always up there. I think the thing that tells the story about this Notre Dame team, and it has to do with running the football and defense as well, but Notre Dame is ninth in the nation using the Hanson model of removing the Big Ten and teams that have played one game, so Hawaii. Notre Dame is ninth in the nation in third down conversion rate as an offense. They are converting 52.17% of all of their third downs. It is more than 10% higher, I believe, or actually 10% higher than any previous season under Brian Kelly. This is the best third down conversion offense that Brian Kelly has ever had at Notre Dame. And it is the best third down uh, defense that Brian Kelly has ever had. This team is keeping teams from converting on third down. And this team is converting third downs. And I don't know why this isn't being talked about. It's just this is the recipe, right? You keep teams off the field by converting third downs and you get them off of the field by stopping them on third down, I don't understand what's so hard about this to understand that this team is really, really, really good. And I just I just wish people would recognize it and stop looking towards Clemson as being the ultimate r- referendum on this team and being like, OK, regardless of the outcome of the Clemson game, I think that this team is going to get a very good game and we'll, we'll see that. But can we just for a second here? Enjoy the fact that we're watching a very good Notre Dame team, maybe the best one of, I don't know, maybe the last pick a year. This team's really good. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, look the, the one game referendum kills me. And Brian Kelly, to his credit, said, ex- said, you know, after the pick game, uh, you know, talked about looking ahead to Clemson and, and everyone wanted to hear that. And I'm glad that he said it in a way. But at the same time, it's like, <sighs> Brian, now all you're doing is like giving fucking fuel to the fire to every single person out there. That's I mean, that's all they're talking about. I mean, shit, Samson is not right he's there. so he's so pumped about it. He's not going down to Atlanta for the Georgia Tech he, game. He's not going. He didn't even he's gonna be it. at a fucking. He's going to be at a Halloween party instead of watching the game. He's trick or treating us. He's just, he's just so, handing out candy as, Vol- so as Voldemort. BK, he's not just, even watching BK just gave him a free ticket for this weekend. I uh, just said, hey, man, here's a vacation day. I mean, honestly, that's what's going on. This is, and look, I understand, we understand what the Clemson game means. 100%. We understand exactly what that game means. And we know why people are so jacked up for it and why it means so much. The problem is, is that I'm a college football fan and being a college football fan, I take one week at a time, man, for everything that it is, because you don't get this all year round. And so just to dismiss everything that you see, 
and look ahead weeks. You know, this is the, you know, I was, I've been bitching about this all season, you know, people doing this, but you're just, you're, you're cruising past, man. You're, you're, you're wishing for Christmas after Halloween and you fucking, you're sailing right past Thanksgiving, which is a better holiday. Leaps and bounds than Christmas. Oh, not a doubt. Better food. So, yeah. So I don't know. It's just, so this week it's just like, everything's all about Clemson. Uh, but we're actually good. We're here. Like we're, we're done. We're done with Pitt as, as we should. Be. There's, there's, there's nothing more to say. It's the biggest win on the road since two, for Notre Dame since 2003. They they did their business. Uh, did it well. The biggest win against an FBS team in Lord knows yeah. how long. Uh, it's well, I guess a Power Five team, not FBS, but yeah. a Power Five team. Lord knows how long. We are we're five and zero. Oh. We're undefeated overall, undefeated in the conference. Uh, it's it's us and Clemson right now are the only undefeated. Team is in conference play. Okay. That's that's great. This is exactly where we all thought we would be. But we got one more game to get there. And it, it it's another game on the road. And yes, Georgia Tech is a bad football team. But we're heading but to the 404, Josh. But we are heading to the 404, to the land of Kyle Hamilton. But that does not mean you just like throw it aside. Because no, who knows? I what good, actually think that there's, who knows there's, what goodness you get out of this game. I think that this I'm game saying, is as important as is anything leading up to it. I think that this game is monumental for what happens the week after. I don't. I don't think that you can just merely overlook this game. You know why um, this game is so important? Because the next game's the game that it is. Well, true, but do you, what from this game? has become even more important. What part of this game? Well, I need confidence and I need to see confidence in specific players. And I need to see a continuation. Well, I need to see Ian book continue on. I need to see a continuation of the passing game and whether or not that we can sustain what Michael Mayer and I guess Benny Sko, if it's go time, let's fucking Sko. But yeah, (laughs) <laughs> so I, I think we need to see that. I think we need to see, I think we need to see some, the, the running game uh, bounce back and put up some, some crooked numbers. I don't think we're going to score 73, but I, I would like to see that the offense maintain being efficient. And um, as far as if we're just looking offensively. So here's the, here's the, the dirty, dirty. And I know you're ready to like, throw something after the, when I say this, but Kevin Austin's done. He's done. And you can make the argument is that you never have what you didn't have. Nope. Braden Lindsay. No idea where he stands. Really? Notre Dame has him down as a starter this year. (laughs) This week of their depth chart, which is absolutely insane because he's probably not going to play against Georgia tech. He hasn't started a game this season. If we're going to be honest. Yeah. That now you hear talk from Ian Book about Jordan Johnson. Yes, I'm, it's like it's it's a siren call. Like you, like it's it's coming, Brennan. It's going to be in full glory. By by the weeks. time we get to the Clemson week, it is going to be yes. Uncle Rico. Magnificent, magnificent. Uh, we and 
side note for us, we need to like go full all in on this mustache business, uh, which Brendan Clark is doing a magnificent job on his own with his mullet, by the way. Yes. So anyways, but I mean, so we have these two freshmen, Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts, two fast dudes. So I guess the the thing is this week is how much do you, how much do we like try to shore up what we do well? And that's with our big guys. Or do they really just like, fuck it. We are going to give this a real shot with these young kids and see what we got. Not saying that they're trying to make them as a part of a huge game plan for Clemson, but saying, let's see what they can do so that we can use them in that game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, they they got to know what they have. I think think going into that game, you have to know what you have, right? You, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to, they have to be a huge part of your game plan, but you have to be able to know if you can, if you can use them or not, because you're down, like you're down men right now. So, I mean, even, even Larry keys, he, he's still bouncing back. Right. So you add in Larry keys, Braden Lindsay, Kevin Austin, that was supposed to be your starting three wide receivers. They're all pretty much in a state of disrepair. Those were the Some three, those were the three that were supposed to start on a year where you saw chase Claypool go to the draft and Cole Komet go to the draft. So having all three of those guys, well, and Chris Fink, Chris Fink be, move on and yeah. Right either be completely out or mostly out. You need bodies, but you need bodies that you know can do something for you. So maybe against Georgia tech, who is not the best team in the conference. You sure are not. I think this, I think this is an excellent opportunity. And the problem with it though, the, the, the main problem with it is that you, it turns into a, uh, ball state type moment where you're trying to work on something and it's not working, but you're continually t- trying to make it work. Yeah. And you're just looking like a ass out there. That's kind of what Notre Dame did. The first two drives of, um, or I guess the first handful of drives against Louisville is right. They were trying to make the pass game happen and not letting it kind of organically happen. And then eventually and, and they were kind of doing that all year where it seemed like early on they were trying to make the pass game happen instead of letting it organically happen, which is, I guess, kind of what happened with Pitt. It just sort of it just sort of ended up happening. And I don't know. I I think Joe Wilkins is probably going to be a bigger factor this weekend than I, I don't. How? I, I see how is Joe, how's how is Joe Wilkins a factor at all? He's caught like has he been, has, in games. Has, has he been That's a factor, true, right? Has he been but, a factor? No, no. Is he I, why I, Notre Dame beat Duke? No, and the reason why Notre Dame beats Clemson, if the reason why Notre Dame beats Clemson isn't going to be Jordan Johnson. It, if it was going to be Jordan Johnson, Jordan Johnson would have been a factor against Florida State coming off of the double bye. Um, with still a kind of hobbled, um, you know, one snap, uh, Kevin Austin, they're going to go into this game. Try if you want to take a whetstone to your blade and sharpen it against Georgia tech, 
It's got to be Tommy Trumbull. It's got to be Michael Mayer. It's got to be Javon McKinley. It's got to be Ben Skoranek. And it's got to be Avery Davis, who is the backup backup slot receiver. Because the slot receiver now is Michael Mayer. Because they're rolling out two tight ends. That's just how you're right. No, no, you're right. You're right. It's just I was for a second there. I thought you were going to say something about Larry Keyes coming back. No, no, Larry and possibly, but Davis is Davis has owned that spot since day one. Yeah, and I th- and honestly, honestly, Avery Davis has doing- earned the right to be the slot receiver. He's been fine. He's been. Fi- I, th- I think Davis has been fine. I think so. Uh, so I don't want to say that it's you know what it's kind Dave, of a Amir Carlisle. Where like you look back on it, and I don't think Amir Carlo put up huge stats, but like he, but he was he important just, to the offense. He was important to the offense, and I think Avery Davis is filling that role. And Avery Davis in in a game in two weeks is probably going to throw a pass. I <laughs> so, think Avery Davis, Avery Davis might be one of those guys. I, I man, I, I wish I would have kept track of this, but like when people are screaming, why is a X person? He's wide open. I think Davis has been that guy a lot of those times. I think so too. Like yeah, Davis. Been, it's like, yeah. so we, we should have been keeping track of that. Cause that, that's, that's a fun, uh, that's fun to yeah. know, right? Like who is he yeah. not looking to, but I think, yeah, Davis has been fine. Um, and I, something I thought they, they should have done more against Pitt, And I'm actually, especially the way Pitt plays football, because <clears throat> Pitt plays, Man on man, press coverage. Yes. Yep. They they like to bring the blitz a lot, and so it it makes it a little more like <clears throat> like stressful uh, as far as like there's there's game pressure stress on this p- particular play, but it, the risk reward is very high, and that's where the fuck were the screens pit? Like that's a team that you can murder with yeah. a screen. Absolutely. Maybe murder. they were afraid. Maybe they were because with a screen, you do you do yeah, have I mean, to let your quarterback take. Uh, there is there is the propensity on a screen because you are you're rolling your lineman out to set up for the screen. So maybe they were a little bit worried that book might have been taking a shot or two. They, from, didn't even, they didn't even try like a Patrick and Weaver. There, was, and, there, there wasn't a slip screen. There wasn't there wasn't any kind of screens. No. I mean, maybe they did try, but I I, I don't recall like. That's the kind of defense you throw a screen, you throw a couple of screens in, and they're big hitters. And this year, especially, we've seen Notre Dame has done a really good job of setting up a screen where if Book hits that little pass, it's a fucking touchdown. It's a 70, 80 yard touchdown. Especially with the the blocking that the wide receivers have shown. Yes. Uh, Specifically, Javon McKinley, who's been a dynamo, and then Tommy Tremble downfield blocking. I would have liked to have seen more of that. I would like to see more of that against Pitt. Um, and we Maybe did. they just didn't need it because they did score 45. Um, so there was some pick, we, uh, pick love, but. I mean, so we're, this is a combined podcast. And normally on our, our preview podcast, Brendan would really line it up for us as far as what Georgia Tech's uh, got in store. You, you got that tonight? Yeah. Um, so Georgia Tech has a couple of, of things going for them this year. Jeff Sims is their um, first year starting quarterback. Uh, he's been he turns the ball over a lot. Um, he's he's a dynamic player who I think Jeff Sims probably not next year, but as a junior is going to be a very good quarterback. 
Um, but right now, Georgia Tech is sitting at a pretty um, minus seven in the turnover margin, uh, good for uh, 90th in the nation. Uh, I didn't exclude. I didn't have time to exclude the Big Ten from it. So they turn the ball <laughs> over at an absolutely prolific rate. The uh, There's only two teams in the ACC worse than them. One of them is Duke. Um, who seemingly turns the ball over four times a game. They've got like 22 turnovers or something. Um, but he, he can play, and they were able to beat Florida State, but it was more because Florida State stunk than really anything that Georgia Tech did. The other guy who and I that really was, like is— That was pre-Jordan Travis. That uh, was pre-Jordan. That was a Blackman. Uh, yeah, that was uh, pre-Jordan Travis as a starter for State. And it was a low-scoring affair where he threw two absolutely brutal picks in the first half, Jeff Sims did. Um, but I love their running back. They have a really good running back. He's number 21. He's a, um, uh, a true freshman. He, he goes by, his name is uh, Jameer Gibbs. Um, he's a top 100 player. Uh, he's really good. And he's not only good at, um, running the ball, but he's also very good at catching the ball. So they have a good running back. They have a good, uh, quarterback. Their offensive line, however, is very bad. And if you remember when, uh, Collins took this job. They were converting over from Paul Johnson's uh, um, triple option. I, I believe what I read when he took the job, they didn't have a single offensive lineman who weighed more than 270 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're beefier now, but they're definitely still not very good. Their right tackle is a true freshman, Jordan Williams. He's a top 100 player. He's kind of the, the, uh, they they really like him, but I mean you're still starting. Yeah, out we've talked true freshman. We talked a lot about Georgia Tech. Was that, a couple pods ago? Yeah, they got some. As, they, as you yeah. know, like they're a sleeping giant. There's they're yeah. they're a sleeping giant in my eyes. I I think they can totally fucking. I I think Georgia Tech can be one of the premier teams in I the like ACC a lot and, of the and stuff in the they got. And a top 15 team in the country uh, with the right coach and, and and doing things the right way. Uh, but yeah, but. Part of that is the offensive line. Like you can get a couple of skill guys, like in recruiting here and there, but the offensive line takes time. It 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 really takes you know three solid years of good recruiting and development to start to have a good offensive line. It is a it is the process above all pro it is. Of the position groups on the on the field, offensive line is the hardest one to uh, to like do your overhaul uh, with. And you could break a kid starting him as a freshman. You could absolutely break a kid. Yes. Um, Notre yes. Dame's broken kids. Or you uh, could break your quarterback starting a freshman uh, on the <laughs> offensive line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, well, yeah so they're, correct. They're better. They're bigger and they're better than they have been. But that's not saying a whole lot. I would like to point out that uh, they do have a backup safety. Uh, Tariq Carpenter is their strong starting strong safety. He's pretty he's, uh, he's not that great. Um, but they do have a backup safety. Number 18 goes by the name of Derek Allen. Um, may have heard of him. Uh, Everybody knows him. Uh, he's out there. So he, he plays on this Georgia Tech team. Um, and adds to them. They actually have a lot of transfers on their two deep. If you look at their two deep, they're just and really their roster as a as a whole. Um, they've really had to. Jeff Collins has really had to rebuild this entire roster. Paul Johnson well, you know did him no uh, favors. 
you know who else just transferred to uh, Georgia Tech? But that's this year. He won't be around until next year. Uh, that's uh, Kenyatta Watson, who is oh, a— Oh, really? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, he left Texas. He's coming back to the ATL. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I think Georgia Tech is lining itself up, man. I think I think, so. I think they have an excellent shot of 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 really making some noise in the ACC uh, because of I, I think they have everything they need. Uh, they just got to get it going. But yeah, Kenyatta Watson's transferring there, um, and he was like Notre Dame's number one cornerback uh, target uh, last cycle. So he's uh, it's good for them. But the thing about their secondary that stands out to me the most. You ready for this? Yeah. Numbers one, two, and three. I do. Like, yep. Why? What the <laughs> fuck is up with Zamari Walton that he isn't number four? Like, I, like you, you don't even add up. Now, when the Nickelback's in, and they have all five, you have one, two, and three. Then you have Walton at twenty-one, and then Oliver's twenty-two. I like what they got going on numbers-wise. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know what? I, I do love it's some a, good it, number symmetry. It's it's a um, Cobbins, uh, Tatum, Corey Minor kind of a thing. Uh, it, it's it's some eye candy. I, I kind of yes, it's stupid and dumb, uh, but it's still. They fun do have it. Their defensive tackle is also a zero though. Um, yes, uh, but the, but that's but uh, I think Mike Golick Jr. was like that, wasn't he? Did he say that on the first game of the season? Like the the zero belongs to like. Just the big ass defensive tackle, like a Lou, you know Lou Nix, a big Lou Nix would have would have rocked his Yeah, era. oh, Nix one was enough. Lou Nix would have been Lindsay all over went, that. Lindsey wouldn't have had a chance to get in zero. Nix uh-uh. would have been like, nah, nah, <laughs> yeah. Let's have an eating contest <laughs> for it. <laughs> yeah, just just to give people some context of. So a lot of Georgia Tech's woes, they gave up, so we can get this off the top, they gave up 73 points to Clemson. Notre Dame is not going to score 73 points against Clemson. No, no. I can say that almost uh, with pretty good authority. Um, Georgia Tech, uh, they played about as bad a football game as you can possibly play, and a lot of it didn't cover anybody, and Trevor Lawrence made them look very foolish. Um I don't see that same because Trevor Lawrence threw for well, not just Trevor Lawrence, but Clemson as a Travis, team. Travis Etienne uh, threw for 500 yards. Uh, they did kind of, I guess, shut down Clemson's running game. Clemson only ran for 171 on 39 carries in that game, uh, 4.38 yards a carry. But it's because Clemson just had their way with them through the the air. Every every pass that they threw was. Um, there was like, I, I believe there was like 15 players for Clemson that caught a pass in that game. Something, both of, both of Dabo's kid or both of, um, uh, uh, Kirk Herbstreet's kids caught passes or something dumb. Um, Dabo's <laughs> kid, you know, uh, both Dabo's kids, Will, Andrew Sweeney caught passes and, uh, it's, it was very, very dumb, uh, that particular football game against, uh, Clemson and, and I don't think that they're going and their defensive stats have been skewed because of that. You give up 30, 73 points in a game. Of course, you're going to be almost last in football. They're giving up 41.2 uh, points per game. I don't think that they're that bad. Um, they've never given up outside of that Clemson game more than 23 
or uh, they haven't given up more uh, outside of that Clemson game. They haven't uh, given up more than, you know, well, actually uh, they've given up some, some crooked numbers, but it's not been as bad as it was. They only give up 27 to Louisville, right? And they beat Louisville. So I, I don't know, man, it's, it's tough to, to judge. They're not a good football team right now. No, they're, and that, and so that's important. They're, uh, they're going to pull out the, uh, the black jerseys. So they look like UCF, um, or Colorado. Uh, <laughs> was it, what are the, what was it? It's the homage to the, to the, was it the black, um, Oh, what was the name of that defense that Georgia Tech had? Uh, the, the black wall. Is that what it was? Uh, Georgia Tech had a, uh, the blacksmiths. Right? Were they the blacksmiths? Was that because uh, that's no, what they used no. to be called? No, the black. Um, oh, the black watch. The black watch. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. It's like Game of Thrones action going on there. Um, yeah, the, the night's watch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're going to be juiced up for this game. It's, I mean, it's absolutely going to be, uh, you know, the, without the fans and all that, but the, the team's going to be uh, juiced up. And and uh, I just saw something. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I just saw something. I, I have to interject. This isn't breaking news, but it's, it came across. It came across an hour ago. Across Notre Dame eyes. Uh, Notre Dame defensive end commit David Abiara uh, charged with criminal trespass. Oh boy. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's less than optimal. And he's been a kid that's been sort of wavering on going to Oklahoma, and he's he's sort but, of seemingly right, solidified but, Notre Dame. Yeah, he he got he got lined up. Uh, oh man. So uh, let me just read this little bit from, um, from the Fort Worth, uh, what's this Fort Worth star telegram top football recruit from Mansfield legacy who has committed to Notre Dame has been charged with criminal trespass in South Lake, according to Tarrant County jail and criminal court records, Mansfield legacy defensive end, David Abiara, 18 of Mansfield was charged last week with criminal trespass, a misdemeanor, according a misdemeanor, According to court records. Okay. So it's, a, it's a misdemeanor. Yeah, uh, let's see. This is South Lake Carroll High School offensive lineman Marquette, uh, Marquette Seaton, 18 of Grapevine, also was charged last week with the same crime. Uh, so it looks like he ratted out Abiara. <laughs> uh, incident. <laughs> I mean, just, just, just put two and two together there. Uh, the incident occurred on September 27th in South Lake. Um, the two were booked on suspicion of burglary with intent to commit a intent to commit a felony, but the charges were filed on the lesser offense of trespassing, according to jail and court records. Um, that can get expunged. We'll see how that. Uh, oof. Oof. Wouldn't that be great it, if back-to-back years Notre has a uh, player, a recruit, get popped for charges and. Loser. Well, it certainly isn't as uh, as damning as um, oh god, why can't I think of his name now? The defensive back from Kentucky. What was his name? Um, name it was yeah. uh, um, 
Landon Bartleson, right? Yes, Landon Bartleson. Landon Bartleson. It, it's definitely not as as uh, as damning as what Bartleson did. And I mean, a misdemeanor. It's not a felony. That's that's it's not a that felony, so which huge. was the big one. That is which so huge. that's so huge. Yeah, I don't know. That's huge. I don't know. Because Landon Bartleson this, got popped for for burglary, oh, and, and there were and guns involved and diamonds and all oh, kinds. Yeah, there was a lot of intrigue. So yeah, and that was a, there was no way like you're not coming. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's stuff that'll get you. He expelled. stole guns. He stole guns, and if yes. you're stealing guns, that's it. But well, yeah. I guess I guess the the story will. Uh, David Abriara will. Continue. I don't know. I mean, if this was Notre Dame twenty years ago, <laughs> not a chance. Uh, not a chance in hell, uh, but it, it's a little bit different story now. And I don't know. I if it's a misdemeanor, I think it, there's a way. There's God. There's always a way. And to be up and to be perfectly honest, I just I'm not trying to get religious on everybody, but I just don't understand. First of all, I don't understand how I can take the Bobby Bowden, Nick Saban route as better than Notre Dame's and I do I just don't understand not wanting to help a kid out and I don't mean like help I don't mean like sweep shit under the rug help I'm talking about like actually trying to help them out by making sure that they learn from mistakes and I just I I think the the total medieval and draconian way Notre Dame handles a lot of these things is just, it doesn't make any sense. Like it, especially like it, it shouldn't be the Catholic way of, of how to, how to handle a problem. No, uh, and yet that's, should, I mean, yeah, that's how it's all about redemption. Of like, well, right. And it's like expected of half our fan base to like fucking shun this kid probably now, I bet. Uh, but I am, I've always been more in line with, the way like Bobby Bowden and Nick Saban and Saban talked Andy about Moss should have been a Notre Dame fighting Irish wide receiver. Right. And he could have been a Florida state wide receiver too. He, Moss fucked that up himself and he'll yeah. admit he was given the extra chances. But anyways, but there is a great clip. There is a very, there's a fantastic clip of Nick Saban talking about this very thing. Yeah, I know what exactly um, the clip you're talking about. And it's outstanding. It is absolutely outstanding. And it is, uh, it is exactly what we should be trying to do. Like reform, like help someone out, not by sweeping under the rug, but by making sure that they don't go. They're young. 18 is so fucking young. It is so young. Fresh 18. And there's a lot of stuff that goes into just 2020 as a whole. I, I don't know. Yep. You're 18 years old. If you live to be 70, which is a young, which is a young age to die. You, you still have 52 years of life ahead of you. Yeah. 18 on something is something like that. What he's, what he is allegedly. We'll see, there's a, we'll see if there's violence involved or anything like that, but it's non-violence, non-violent crime. I, yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, sorry to interject, but uh, I, I just saw that come across. We were talking and I figured we might as well talk about it real quick. Um, so we'll, we'll find out. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to get this up on the site tonight too. So, <laughs> yes. So, so it'll be up there. Great. I, great. I have a long night. I'm glad, glad we got an earlier start time on our, uh, on the pod tonight. So 
A lot of bit, a lot of stuff going on. All right, <clears throat> back to Georgia Tech. Back to Georgia Tech. So, Georgia Tech and Notre Dame don't necessarily have a particularly storied history. Uh, they played each other, um, according to my count, thirty-five times. Notre Dame is one twenty-eight, but but it's still a, a fair amount. It's still yeah. A fair amount. And well, some, since you know, there's since, some recent there's there's some good re- <clears throat> excuse me recent history between Notre Dame and Georgia Tech. And yeah, I say the, recent, I mean in the last 20, 25 years, and that's uh, a a bad bowl loss. Uh, uh, beating Georgia Tech on the road that that 06 year with 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 Quinn and Calvin Zippy, yeah, on the cover and Duke Wayne knocking the shit out of Calvin Johnson. Uh, the 07 thrashing. Yeah. Uh, Georgia Tech is where we got John Tenuta from. Uh, um, the 2015 so, I mean, game was was a fun there's one. There's enough history. Uh, Georgia Tech. Well, was, so here's my question with the history. Georgia Tech right? was who Rudy got his sack against. Right. So do we call it the Rudy Bowl or do we call it the O'Leary Bowl? Because O'Leary left yeah. uh, O'Leary left um, Notre Dame. The There's a lot of fucked up history between Notre Dame and Georgia Tech for the yeah. amount of meetings they've had. It's pretty memorable. It, the, it, the the go-betweens. And if you want to get like even more minute, like uh, Stefan Tuitt, back and forth between Georgia Tech and Notre Dame. Yep, that was uh, a that was a pretty heat. I mean, he, he I mean, Derek Allen transferring to Georgia Tech from Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I don't know. They got Kenyatta Watson now. Like, I, it just there's some little things there. Uh, the blue and gold action. I mean, obviously they're going to be wearing black for the black watch this week. But uh, I don't know, man. It's just there's it, if someone said Notre Dame's playing, if it's out of blue, like hey, Notre Dame Georgia Tech game, it isn't. It, it's not foreign to me. Like Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, I guess maybe two years ago would seem foreign, right? Or Notre, yeah. Notre Dame, Notre Dame Duke seems foreign. Like some of these games seem foreign. Georgia Tech is not. Georgia Tech is one of the ACC programs that Notre Dame has played um, quite a bit. I mean, thirty—that's a lot of times for a non-traditional opponent for Notre Dame to be on the to have been played. Right. They like, uh, they tied Notre outside. Dame in 1983-3 um, in the season where Georgia won their only national title in um, seemingly human history that 1980 uh, that 1980 season. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we have a couple of uh, Georgia fans who actually listen to this podcast, and I'm sure they appreciate that. Yeah, I mean Georgia for all of uh, you want to talk about Notre Dame having to to prove things, right? How about Georgia, who's won a national title in 1980, and um, what what was their other one? Uh, in the in the the middle of the uh, the Second World War, like the mid 1940s, was is it other than 1980? I want to trash Georgia so much more for that because it's such bullshit to like keep putting them in this high tier uh, and the, but yet crush Notre Dame because they haven't won a title since 88 and Georgia's in there at 80, but 17 and 19 happened. Yeah. And it's just, it's, sure hard. Did. it's hard. It's hard to be able to like trash a team that has beat you two straight times. Great yeah. games. They were great games. It could have gone Notre yeah. Dame's way. Either one of those games, uh, and I have a lot of respect for Georgia as a, as a program. I mean, I do, but I think the way that the media portrays 
is a a little over the top for what is for what they've actually given them. Um, And I I don't think Georgia fans would would bitch too much about that. Right. I mean, they understand. They know they know what's on the line. Um, But anyways, back to Georgia Tech, their in-state rival. Look, I let's just start. Let's just start to wrap this one up. Um, They're just they're not a very good football team. They're on their way. <laughs> this is a game I fully expect Notre Dame. You beat four, you beat Pitt forty five to three. I just don't understand. I don't understand how Georgia Tech's going to score more than ten points. So for last week, I, I had Notre Dame pick to win twenty to six against Pitt. Turns out they won forty five to three. Like double it up both ways. Well, more so even for Notre Dame. And I just I feel that that's that's an accurate number for for this week. I mean, is it two field goals? Is it is it a <clears throat> like a thirty eight to six game, or is it you know maybe it's a maybe it's a thirty three ten game? I don't know. Um, well, let's uh, let's jump into the picks then. You want to jump into the picks? Yeah, yeah, I got Jude. I got Jude's picks already here. Jude, Jude sent oh, yeah. me his picks. I got them. Oh, excellent, excellent, excellent. Yeah. So, um, you and Jude, for all intents and purposes, are essentially tied. Uh, I'm a little bit behind. Uh, I'm two games back from you guys. Uh, you're 11 and 13. Jude's 10 and 12, and I'm 9 and 15. Not great. Wait, wait, wait. So, when, so when you say we're eventually tied, you mean I'm just I'm ahead of Jude. He's just, just had two less games to to pick, but I've I've gotten eleven correct and he's gotten ten correct. Mm, yes, but you both, uh, yeah. I just yeah, want to make sure that Jude hears that I've you, picked more correct games. That is correct. Okay. Um, last week, um, the lot of us uh, went. We were we were two and three, so it wasn't great. Um, and and it was kind of funny how it worked out because, um, your sensey love came through for you. Obviously, Jude's undying love for Mac Brown in North Carolina because he was the only one to pick North Carolina. And then everybody knows I love Coach Osinko. Um, I picked I was the only one that picked Iowa State to cover the three and a half. They lost by three. Um, but so this week and then I guess for player picks, you went with uh, Tariq Bracey and Michael Mayer. Jude went with Jeremiah Wusukoromoa and Kyle Hamilton, and I went with Kyle Hamilton, and I didn't know at the time. Uh, I went with uh, Kevin Austin. For sure, Michael Mayer was the player of the game, right? Unless you want to give yes. it to Book. I, I, don't, I don't think that there is no, much I discussion. Mean, I mean, I was listen, Mayer I would the player listen of the to discussions for Skoranek, and I would listen to discussions for Book, but Michael Mayer. I guess I <laughs> – it's hard to pick book at a 52% clip, but that 300 is such a massive we number. Needed that. And I was but wondering, I was wondering if they were going to tie like what Sirotic meant there at the beginning of the game with those two catches. Three hundo. <laughs> like, like, like you, you know, you're averaging 53 and a half yards of reception there. It's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> and a touchdown. So two catches, two touchdowns, 107 yards. It's hard. I, I don't know. Maybe you got to go with, with Skoranek on that. Not maybe. I think you have to. I, I think it, Michael Mayer, though, like his attitude as a 
true freshman. Oh, dude, I love him. I mean, I fucking and love him. The volume of catches that he had. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. You can, you, can, you can make a case. You can make a case. I, I, th- right. I think um, defensively, I, I I don't know, Bo Bauer, right? I think I think that that's pretty fair. He had I mean, my point to get a pick. Did he have a tech? He had a tech for a loss, right? Um, uh, look, again, stats, very it's, misleading. It's very difficult when there's 53, sure. there's 53 points and the first team's only out there for like 30 of them. So Bauer's right? official stat line was one tackle, one interception, one quarterback hurry. That's not bad. Who would I look at their tackle? It doesn't Are have you going to give it to MTA? I mean, you could give it to MTA. You I mean, you, you could go shock. Jeremiah Wusu Sean, or Moa. Who, but Sean I mean, he was just, six tackles, one one for loss. Uh, Justin, yeah, Justin Abiola had four tackles. Uh, Crawford tackle should have loss. picked that. Crawford should have made a play. I'm not going to give it to Crawford because he should have made a play on the ball yeah. on the sideline there. I mean, you could almost say Foskey because of block punt touchdown. Plus he had a half block sack. And a half a sack. He's the best. He's the best passer for they have. I mean. I mean, I don't know. Maybe the stat sheet's wrong. I, maybe it's – it has to be wrong. Maybe it's not. It, but it's got Jeremiah Wusukormoa down for one tackle, and that's it. One, um, t- one tackle, one interception, one quarterback hurry. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It, it's, a t- it's, it's tough. Clark Lee, I think the Irish Illustrated podcast kept saying that. I agree with him on that for sure. It's Clark Lee. It's Carkley. Um, I'm going to, I, I want to give it to Bo Bauer because um, that pick was, uh, <laughs> it was phenomenal. He had some ups. You could have fit, uh, you could have fit a playing card under his feet on that jump. Uh, but it was, it was, it called, was phenomenal. It was called Bo Bauer in June. Who was saying, Hey, you guys, I'm, I, I don't mean, know who named I'm their fired, dog after I Bo Bauer. Fired up. I fired up Bo Bauer. All right. We'll just Bo go Bauer. Bo Bauer. All right. Um, all right. So let's get into the picks. Uh, and, I, and I'll read Jude's off when it comes. So we're going to open up with Oklahoma State. Um, people are making a case that they should be better uh, ranked above Notre Dame. Undefeated Oklahoma State. Not many. Not many. Uh, not, not many. many. But there are some. Uh, contrarians are saying that the undefeated Pokes are hosting the Texas Longhorns and are a three and a half point favorite. Yeah, I uh, this is easy money for me. You, I'm taking Texas. That's easy. Sam Ellinger, you know what? Of, of our listen, of of our of the poll on the site for uh, which team is better than Notre Dame, and uh, and this was had to do with teams ranked below Notre Dame, which Georgia, Oklahoma State, A and M, yeah, Cincinnati, Florida. <clears throat> nine total votes for Oklahoma State. Cincinnati got more votes. In Oklahoma State. Well, we are uh, Cincinnati adjacent podcast, so. I mean, it, it was pretty incredible. Voters. 30, 32% took Georgia. 65% said none, uh, which they're right. Uh, but yeah, so Oklahoma State got nine. Cincinnati got 12. Uh, so, I don't it know. It is I, ridiculous to me look, when I look at Oklahoma to, State's Look at Oklahoma State's numbers compared to Notre right. Dame's. Defensively, they're, they're doing a lot better this year. Defensively, Oklahoma State is doing – I mean, Oklahoma State's not too far behind Notre Dame uh, defensively, but 
This is the rub on Oklahoma State, and I was listening oh, to. This, just, um, this feels like the week, right? This feels like the week where the oh, Big Twelve. Oh, it's Texas where the, Sam Ellinger just blows them up. Yeah, I think I think it's a. I think it ends up being a route. Like I think like this is just one of the like self inflicting wounds for the conference, whatever however you want to put it. And I it's just, real, some real Pac ten Pac twelve shit, right? Where they just um, uh, cannibalize each other. Jude's got Oklahoma State. Um, I like your line of thinking as well. And, and the reason why is because there were some people uh, I was listening to, um, the, the first ride with, um, no, it wasn't first ride. It was the, the midday show on Sirius XM yesterday. It's got, um, uh, shoot. I can't remember who it is on the, uh, Barrett Salee, right. And, uh, uh, Tom Luganville on the midday. And they were talking about comparing and both of them said Oklahoma state was better than Notre Dame. And they were like, uh, Oklahoma State. Uh, no, I just don't think Notre Dame can can score like Oklahoma State can. And I'm I'm sitting there in my car and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Oklahoma State is averaging 28.5 points per game, which is eight points less than Notre Dame on the season. Oklahoma State hasn't had a game, you know, other than a game against a patsy. Kansas team where Kansas is, uh, you know, head coach didn't even come out to the game because he, he had COVID and Kansas is the worst team in football in division one football. They scored 47. Other than that, he scored 16 against Tulsa. This is not an offensively adept team. And you know, their role, right. their, their quarterbacks just coming back. And I don't know that you're right. I like the fact that Texas is going to ruin the big 12's hopes. Senator Dame or Clemson can sneak in there as a one loss. And Jude's got Oklahoma State. Uh, he just—I I think he just said uh, Chuba. He's excited about Chuba. I don't blame him. He was my pick for Heisman preseason. And I mean, if he wins this game, he's uh, got a pretty good path. Uh, so the next one's a crooked score uh, or a crooked line. And the reason I put it in there because <laughs> I am interested for the outcome of this one. And it's Clemson hosting Boston College, and Clemson is a thirty-one point favorite against the Fighting Phils. Well, this is a, I mean, this is a classic, this is a great game for Notre Dame fans to pay attention to. Um, number one, I mean, okay. So you have Clemson, obviously, um, cause they're, they're who Notre Dame, if you didn't know, Notre Dame plays them next week. What? Uh, but they play Boston college the week after Clemson. And so, I mean, poor Boston college <laughs> to play two top five teams, two out of the three back weeks. Uh, yeah. So, but, um, uh, it's just it's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, kind of what goes down. Like, look, Notre Dame is a head and a half forehead better than BC, but I still I'm still interested in seeing how this game plays out. Uh, well, I, for what, for lots of little reasons, I suppose. Uh, seeing a line at 31 points is a massive red flag, right? Um. I mean, that's a massive red flag. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. I that's a Dabo was kind of he was spicy um, in the press conference, and yeah, Trevor Lawrence was talking about how they weren't looking too crisp, and Dabo got kind of angry that they dared question his team. Um, I think they want to look absolutely monstrous going into the Notre Dame game. Go ahead and give me Clemson. 
This is this is in this is in uh, Clemson, right? Yeah, for whatever it's, it's worth now when there's not a ton of fans. But yeah, it's right. in uh, the fake Death it's Valley. A, but it's not they're not going up to the cold of Boston. That's true. They are not going up to the cold of Boston. Yeah. No. Yeah. And that stadium's cursed in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I give me Clemson to the points. I I think they're wanna they're gonna wanna put one on. And it just fills propensity for throwing a a pick to and Clemson's defense, which is not the same Clemson defense uh, no. that shit out of us, but they're still very good. Brett Venables is still Brett Venables. Um, that's going to be interesting. I, yeah, yeah. I think they can do it. I uh, I just think that the, yeah I I think they're going to be angry after last week and want to get ready for this this showdown against Notre Dame. Um, and hopefully they waste, you know how it works. You waste all your points in one game and then they're not going to have any points up to score against Notre Dame. So that's this, is, this, this is really lining up to us versus Jude on this. <laughs> it kind of is. Um, Cause I, think, I know where the you next, go next one. <laughs> uh, so the next game is, listen, I got a cop. Desmond Ritter was not very good at throwing the football. On the You're ground up. against um smu that was the single that first quarter and really the first half was the greatest half of football that cincinnati has played since brian kelly was here it was an absolute clinic and a total joy you were right to pick cincinnati i'm an idiot i feel like a fool cincinnati came from their covid week off and they looked crisp the defense um you know marcus freeman's defense continues to absolutely impress um but Cincinnati is hosting uh, Memphis, who beat them twice last year. Don't forget that. Memphis beat them twice last year, including uh, in the regular season and in the AAC title game. And Cincinnati is a seven-point home favorite. Yeah, but Memphis' uh, head coach last year is now losing games down in Tallahassee. Mm, yes, he uh, is. This is in uh, classic Dippert Stadium. I just – yeah. He, I don't like I do not like the seven points. I do not like. No, nope. I don't agree with that line. I think that's a lot um, like I. I don't know. I mean, I guess if I think about it, if it's three for the home team, I, I would put this as more of like a four, four and a half point game. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead. Give me Cincinnati. Fuck it, man. It's, it's a Cincinnati Jason podcast. Ride or die. Um, go Bearcats. Who are, who are getting fucked this year, by the way, who had a path to the playoffs. Ohio State is fucking them once again from behind yeah. the scenes. Yep, they sure are. Because this Cincinnati team is it's it's real good. Um, Memphis is still scoring right there. Three and one. Their only loss was to the SMU team who uh, Cincinnati took to the shed. And according to uh, transitive property, that means uh, Cincinnati should uh, so undefeated transitive property. It's never it's never been beaten. Um, I don't know, man. I'm going to I'm going to say Memphis. Cincinnati wins this game, but Memphis uh, keeps it close. So give me Memphis. And I'm going to join you there. Uh, I think Cincinnati wins, but I have your same sort of concerns with the uh, the points. I guess the game of the week then. 
Um, Penn State hosting Ohio State. Penn State kind of ruined. Is that being held in Augusta, Georgia? <laughs> um, it may as well be. Because, uh, yeah, it, it is in Happy Valley. Um, Penn State kind of blew their end of the bargain. What did you think of that call at the end of the Penn State Windiana game? I, I thought it was legit. I, I, I didn't know it for, for at live watch. I thought no way. And then the refs came out and, you know, put up their hands for a touchdown. And then after a few replays, I'm like, you know what? That crossed the fucking plane before it hit out the pylon. Like that's completely out of the story. It crossed the plane before it hit out of bounds. Yeah. And then it hit the pylon. And in that scenario, which is what I think, which I think that's what I've seen. That's a touchdown or a two, you know, it's good. So he did it. And it was pretty fucking amazing. And it was awesome. I, I wished this is the part of COVID that is heartbreaking because in a non in non COVID era, it would have been an absolute joy to see Bloomington rocking so hard because that's a huge win for that program. It's the biggest Indiana win of my life because they always seem it's to come just short against so these, close, against so uh, close. Michigan's and in Ohio State and Penn State's and right, so close and they did it and you that you know first game so this game wouldn't have been the first game of the. And the Big Ten won't let fans at all, other than the Big Ten won't even let uh, students in. Right. So in a non-COVID era, the stadium would have been pretty well packed. Yeah. Uh, Even if it was even if it was half Penn State fans, which a lot of times, like when Ohio State and Indiana play, that's generally what happens. Ohio State just travels over and and buys out Bloomington. But they're still the students. So it's just a shame that uh, that that happened through that. But it. It was still good. Uh, so we want to talk about this game, Ohio State, Penn State. Twelve and a half points. And that's with Penn State's uh, essentially their running back room disappearing. Yes. Like two fingers ghosting like dad's went to the store to get a pack of smokes and never came home. That is that is Penn State's running back room. So. Ohio the only State guy they have left uh, has no game awareness in uh, Ohio State's absolutely going to win this game. But I just I think there's a little some there's going to be a little more fight from Penn State uh, after what happened. I don't think I do not think James Franklin is a good coach. No. He's a terrible game coach more more so. But he's not a bad motivator, and I think he can get this team, which is fairly talented, motivated enough to play Ohio State tough, but just n- not enough to win. Um, so m- maybe you're looking at like a, uh, you know, a 33-21 game, and that still gets you, uh, um, still works out. So, yeah, give me Penn State in the points. I guess, and that's gets my better judgment, honestly. Which is just, yeah. which is just perfect for a Penn State game. 
Anyways, it gets you better judgment. <laughs> I uh, both neither team has particularly deep running back rooms, so I guess I look because I don't think Master Teague is a RB one. Um, uh, he's he's uh, he's working his way there. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess we'll see. I wasn't particularly impressed in the first half against Nebraska when it was still a football game, but maybe I mean maybe maybe and Trey Sermon's certainly lost a lot, um, but I don't know. We'll see. I guess, I guess we'll see. Um, but I guess when I look at it, if which team has the better quarterback, I don't know how much I believe in, in Sean Clifford. And I think that Ryan day is in Ohio state, uh, you know, is in the mold of urban Meyer where it could be a backdoor cover where they're not afraid to score that late touchdown, um, to maybe ice the game. And so, <clears throat> Ohio State pan- yeah. fans can find their pockets. So Makes sense. Buckeyes. And then the uh, the game of the week, uh, of course, the one everybody's been waiting for um, in the 404, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets hosting the Fighting Irish Notre Dame. Notre Dame is a 20-point favorite. Georgia Tech is a, uh, a home dog. Who do you got? How does this go? <clears throat> yeah, I got Notre Dame to cover. Uh, I think uh, I do not – Georgia Tech is not going to score more than 10 points. So even if they score 10, can Notre Dame score 31? And I think the answer is yes. I think it's based off of how their defense plays. You get the opportunities. I think Notre Dame will try. And I know that, you know, we, we joked about this or maybe not even really joked. We're kind of like throwing our hands up in the air about it, about uh, Ian Book talking about Jordan Johnson. But I think there's still this is another game to set up for the next game. And so there's some things they're going to want to try. If they work, that means it's a, it's a nice big blowout. If they don't work, it looks a little clunky. Um, so I, I think we're somewhere in between there. Uh, regardless, I, th- I think the offensive line will just completely take over anyways. So when they want to run the ball, they'll be just fine running the football uh, with Kyron and Tyree and Sebo. Um, remember, Sebo is a is a Georgia guy too, um, so this might be a, um, a good time. I, I not feature him, but I could see him what, again getting more carries than Tyree um, in this game. I don't know. I I just think that you know, yeah, you're probably looking at maybe like a thirty-eight ten game. And then everybody's complaining that Notre Dame only scored 38 when Clemson yeah. scored 73. Yeah, I think that is almost exactly half of what Clemson did. Yeah. They're gonna, Notre Dame's going to get boat rice by 40 because of this. Meanwhile, not looking at the fucking. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's Which is fine. It's absolutely fine. I just, I think they're going to work on some things. And that, and I'm totally that's smart. I'm totally fine with that. And I'm totally fine with them keeping guys healthy. Um, because look, if Brian Kelly is saying it after the pick game and every media member and their fucking brother and their neighbors saying it, it is a one game referendum season. And so the key here is to get in, look good, get the fuck out. But also, you know, again, like I said, there are roster problems right now at receiver just with injuries, just your number game. So trying to get some work for these guys that haven't seen a lot of action, 
So you have them available for Clemson. That's not to say they're going to start or see more than 10 snaps, but you know, getting Jordan Johnson out there for 10 snaps in the game might mean a lot in that game. I don't know, yeah. but you have to make sure he's prepared for that. Right. Just can't just throw him out there for 10 snaps. He has to be prepared for it or Xavier Watts or whoever. So yeah, it's not going to be like this massive Clemson style blowout, um, which it, you know, unless it is a turnover is coming to play. Right. And I just, I just don't know if Notre Dame's capable of that. And that's fine. That doesn't make them less of a team because they're not, you know, South Florida, Florida and everybody. Um, But, you know, it's still, you know, if I'm saying 38, that's still a 20, a four touchdown win. And even if they just cover and it's three touchdowns, that's a solid win. It's a solid win. Yeah. Um, Okay, so Jude picked Notre Dame as well. Um, And I I agree with just about everything you said. Um, The thing that Georgia Tech is worse, the two things that Georgia Tech is the worst at other than turnovers is they are very bad at converting on third down. They're actually coming into this game worse than Pitt was going into the Notre Dame game. They're only converting 35.63% of their third downs. And they are dreadful in stopping teams on third down. Teams are converting 46.15% of their third downs, which is the worst in the ACC. And I think I, I mentioned earlier in the pod, the thing Notre Dame is best at is uh, converting third downs and um, stopping teams from uh, stopping teams on third down. So it is strength, weakness against strength and weakness against strength. I don't, I guess the only way, maybe, maybe if, if Jameer Gibbs can find some space and there's like a broken coverage or something, I don't, I don't right. see how Georgia okay. Tech scores a touchdown. Okay. Um, yeah, I had a hard time even coming up with that. Outside too. of obviously the first drive, because Clark Lee just he's he's an off. off you know what? Don't even let Clark Lee call the first drive anymore, because as the the reviewer said, you just can't do it. He's he's a slow starter. How many how many how many uh, points has Notre Dame given up on the first drive this year? Um, <laughs> but uh, all kidding aside, I, I don't know. I don't see how Georgia Tech scores points, and Jeff Sims he's a young guy and he's, he just is going to try and make plays happen. And I I don't know. I, I have a feeling this could be another crooked score. And my hope is, is that we see more Brendan Clark and this time he can throw some more normal passes and run, you know, a more conventional offense in the the second half. Um, I'd like to see Ian book on the sidelines in the fourth quarter again. That sounds good, right? And if the whole offensive line is going to graduate and go to the NFL next year, I'd like to see them continue to get a ton of reps, the second second, uh, team uh, offensive line. So um, Notre Dame is going to cover. Give me – I'll I'll join up with uh, everybody else and uh, say that Notre Dame covers this game and and wins easily. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, there we go. Oh, so – Real quick, because I have a, a child who's wandering outside the office. So we're going <laughs> to uh, offensive player of the game. Go ahead and give me uh, Kyron Williams, which is an easy one. But <clears throat> I think his numbers will be big in this game. 
And then uh, defense defensively, give me Kyle Hamilton. There's a couple of cheat scores here, but Kyle Hamilton back in back in he Georgia. He hasn't been the best player yet, but he's no, he uh, hasn't. He's due. He hasn't. So it's like it's yeah. So it's like he's due. So you can give me those two. I I think Kyron Williams goes for uh, a buck twenty five. I think Kyle Hamilton. This is the, this is the week. Uh, you see the big INT, uh, maybe a touchdown out of that. I don't know, um, but yeah. What about you? Who do you got for the players? Um, on offense, give me Benny Sko. I think that Ian Book is going to. I think Ian Book's really going to lean into his uh, his buddy that came out to uh, Cali. Um, and then defensively, I want. Uh, I want Jeremiah Wusukoromoa to no, see Jeremiah Wusukoromoa is not going to get the splash plays that he needs to be at. Um, Isaiah Foskey, give me Isaiah Foskey because okay. uh, I think he'll get a lot more reps just because he's sort of hovering around second team. So uh, Foskey right. and then Benny Sko, let's uh, let's go. Let's do, let's let's go let's go do it. Let's go. Uh, uh, there you go. We got we got our pit pit review out of the play out of the way. We got Georgia Tech preview. Got all that two hours. Who would have thought? Who would have thought we could have been able to do that without Jude's voice? I mean, you throw Jude's voice in there, add another hour, so that makes sense. Um, <laughs> so just uh, again, check out the site this week. Uh, things will get back to normal. Uh, I was out of town the last couple of days, so uh, things are things are a little off, but still a ton of great stuff on there. Oh, and by the way, and I'll have this up on the site uh, as well. Uh, but our 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 stats analysts. Uh, Cooper and Jack there They started their own podcast It's called Shake Down the Numbers Which is an excellent name uh, For a, ner- a podcast about Notre Dame And advanced stats uh, So Shake Down the Numbers I'll put that up on the uh, uh, Those episodes will go up on the site um, With a with the embed in it uh, But you can also just go ahead And uh, smash that subscribe button Go over to Spotify uh, And listen to them over there So uh, that's all I got for this week I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to Atlanta, beat the shit out of these guys, and then talk about Clemson without being angry that it's still weeks away. So, <laughs> <laughs> so getting it on. The appropriate Freddie, time for Clemson uh, is is nigh. Yes, it, it, the appropriate time is coming, and uh, and we'll do it. We'll, we'll get into it. So. Ah, for Brendan here and for Jude all the way in Watertown, New York. Thanks again for listening and go Irish. <laughs>